Hello and welcome to Coffee House Questions. This is Ryan Polly. Well, happy new year. Happy 2019 to all of you. I hope that you had a wonderful Christmas, a great little bit of a break. Maybe some of you are back in school. Your students are back in school. For me, I don't start again until next week, so I get a week off uh, this week, which is nice. But happy 2019. I hope you guys had a wonderful 2018. Great Christmas and uh, looking forward to this new year. Well, one thing I wanted to do over Christmas break and I just didn't get a chance uh, was to discuss a little bit more about technology. And I think I really wanted to talk about it about Christmas because a lot of the conversation revolves around the use of technology, watching movies critically, worldviewly. Let's see, uh, one person made up the word worldviewly, worldviewly-ish. I think that's it. Uh, anyways, it's not a word, but uh, with a worldview perspective in mind and, uh, and, and how much students are spending time on technology, and that's something to be aware of uh, as we go into a break where oftentimes students tend to spend more time on their devices. Uh, and I didn't get a chance to talk about it over Christmas, but we're going to be talking about it uh, today. Now, before we do, I do want to uh, let you know of speaking opportunities that are coming up uh, in case you're in the area and you want to stop by uh, and, and see one of those events. Now, I just got back from an awesome uh, two days with a youth group up in the mountains. I had a uh, really fun giving three talks, two of which I've done before, uh, one brand new. And so I joined a youth group and I did uh, three talks of one Friday night, Saturday morning and a Sunday night uh, or sa- Saturday night. Friday night started off talking about relativism, right? Looking at this big idea of relative truth and making it the case that there is truth and showing students how relativism is affecting them, affecting their friends, affecting the way they think and helping them think clearly. Now, one interesting thing, though, is uh, if you saw and follow on Instagram, Friday night after my talk, uh, as we were all sitting around kind of playing video games and hanging out, I bit down on a Cheeto and broke my front tooth uh, in half. The picture, it went up on Instagram. Uh, it was actually resulted from on December 23rd, right before Christmas, I bit down on a lollipop and broke the tooth in half. And uh, with this, you know, Dennis gone and Christmas coming up, I called my dad, who's a dentist. I said, what should I do? And he said, well, you can try super gluing it. So I actually used super glue, glued the tooth back uh, together, and it held for two weeks over Christmas break, our vacation down in Florida, and back at, for the first event. But it broke eating a Cheeto after Friday night. So I gave both of my talks on Saturday with a half broken tooth, and it is actually still broken. My dentist appointment is tomorrow morning. So if you hear a little bit of a lisp or some of the letters sound a little bit different, uh, that's why I'm front tooth is broken in half. But uh, Saturday morning then woke up and I gave the talk on scientism. It was my science and faith talk that I did a while back, but I made a lot of changes and added scientism to it and showing the students how to respond to scientism, the idea that true knowledge only comes from the scientific method, how that's actually self-defeating because that's a philosophical statement, not a scientific statement. There was no scientific experiment that uh, helped to prove that statement true. So if it's true, then philosophy also gives knowledge, not just science, and helping them to respond to those big questions on evolution and how many times it's a scientific understanding of the world that drives people away from Christianity because youth pastors simply don't talk about it. It's not discussed in church. Students are are hit hard with it in their science classes in school, and they just don't know how to respond. They don't know how to think biblically about the topic of science. And so that is one of my favorite topics. As you know, listening to the show, we talk a lot about it on the show. 
And then I was able to finish uh, Saturday night discussing why Jesus is the only way. And so helping them understand there is truth, not just science gives us truth. There is truth in philosophy and theology and history and all these things. And then now we can know using logic, using history, using scripture, that Jesus is the only way. And that calls us to respond. That calls us to, to understand how we see other people and their need for a savior. And so uh, those were three fun talks up in the mountains, spent the rest of the time relaxing, playing some games and card games. And, and that was a lot of fun. Now coming up here in 2019, there are a few, quite a few events I already have scheduled. I have seven events here in the next few months and uh, looking to maybe add a couple more but as far as the public events, I want to let you know about those. Uh, I, I'm doing some school speaking events uh, and some high school youth groups. But on February 2nd, I will be at Turn Your Campus. This is an evangelistic event at Biola University put on for high school students. And so there's about 40 different breakout sessions, a few main stage speakers trying to prepare and equip students to go evangelize and to talk about Jesus and make a difference on their high school campuses and how to turn their campus. And so I'll be there talking about world religions and helping students uh, think critically about the different religious worldviews and how Christianity really does stand out as being unique. So if you're in the area and you have some students, that might be an event you can check out uh, there. I will also be doing three different uh, series talks at four... His Glory Church in Fullerton. Uh, now, if you've been listening, uh, last fall I gave some talks uh, in a discipleship class that we had on eschatology. This is actually my home church. Uh, our new discipleship class, the next series we're going to be going through is a study of God's Word. And so we're going to take 18 weeks and go through the Word of God in our discipleship class. This is a class that takes place after our service. So if you want to come, 9 a.m. is the service, ends about 10.15. We have a 15-minute break till 10.30, and then uh, from 10.30 to 11.30 is our class. And so on April 28th, I will be giving a talk there on can we trust the Bibles that we have. Uh, May 5th, I will be talking about basic tools to study the Word of God. And then finally, on May 19th, I will be giving a talk on the method of reading and understanding Scripture, so how to interpret Scripture. And so those are some of the public events coming up in this uh, new year. And finally, as always, let me just throw out the contact information. If you have questions, comments, uh, you can send those in at contact at coffeehouse questions is a great way to email those in. I also receive text messages from time to time, but you can text those questions in at 714-989-6927. Uh, finally, on Facebook and Twitter uh, or facebook.com slash coffeehouse questions is there. And then Twitter and Instagram at Ryan Polly three. And so those are all the ways that you can connect and ask your questions. So getting back to this topic of technology, right? When uh, we discussed this last year, uh, in the end of 2018, uh, I gave some concerns that we had. Uh, first of all, how infections that, that you know, it, it really starts to affect our, our, our companionship, uh, how students maybe become more defiant or disrespectful because it's, it's becoming an addiction. And so when you're addicted to something and you, you take it away, you call someone away from that thing, uh, it, it turns into negative behavior. I also talked about how technology makes us restless, that it is clamoring for our limited attention. Everything is saying, look at me, look at me. I deserve your attention. Uh, you deserve to look at me. Check me now. Check me now. All the notifications that we have. So one thing that I've done is I have taken notifications off my phone for major apps like Facebook and Instagram. As much as I'm on those, I'm already on them too much. 
And if I also had a notification every single time someone liked a picture or sent me a message or did something, I would be on it much more. And so now, rather than my phone constantly buzzing, telling me to check it, I check it when I want to. And so we need to be careful in how we see things that are trying to grab our attention. We, we see that, that, look, students... Uh, in a recent uh, research done with Barna and Impact 360, the students are spending on majority of students spend over four hours a day on technology. In fact, even 26% of students reported spending eight hours or more a day on technology. 31% four to eight hours, and 20% two to four hours. So that gives us 77% of students are spending more than two hours a day on their phone with 26% spending over eight hours. This is something that is just grabbing our attention and taking us away from relationships. It's taking us away from, from things that actually matter. What this does then is, as I mentioned before, this, this starts to create this attitude that we have that, that everything is out there to entertain us. It's all to grab our attention. And so we start treating other humans as if it is their purpose to get our attention. So if I go to something and I'm bored, it's not because it, – it, it is because of you. It's your fault that I'm bored. You should be getting my attention. You should be entertaining me. You should be telling me jokes. You should be doing certain things that interest me. You should be talking about things that are of interest to me. And so if I'm bored, it's your fault. You should know better. You should do something to entertain me. What we actually should see is that if I'm bored, maybe it's because there's something about me that is broken. Maybe I can't recognize goodness for goodness. Maybe I don't know how to hold a conversation about something that is not one of my top interests. Right. This, I mean, this even happens to me when, when people start talking about certain things, like, for example, maybe I'll get some messages from you on this one. But when, when my friends start talking about Star Wars or something like, I really don't care. Sorry. I just don't care. I'm probably going to tune out of that conversation. People bring up apologetics or they bring up uh, hockey or something like that. I'm all ears. I'm listening. Uh, I'm involved in that conversation. don't know how to have conversations about things that maybe are not of our top interest. We only see things uh, as being entertaining to us. And the moment people are not talking about those things, that's their problem for not entertaining us. We talked about before how it destroys contentment, right? That, that we, we have a hard time being calm, right? If you lose or you leave your cell phone at home for a day, all of a sudden it's like, ah, it's freaking out. Who's, who's texting me? Who's calling me? Who, what am I missing? But sometimes you leave it at home and it's such a relief. It's relaxing to know, oh my goodness, I can't check it. But we often see that people text and drive these things because you can't go without texting. You can't go without these things. It's hard not to check your phone for a certain amount of time. Quietness is difficult. And then that makes the spiritual discipline of solitude and silence very hard because we can't just be silent and think and, and hear from God because we constantly have to be entertained. Finally, we talked about how technology makes us angry. How the majority of posts made on Twitter, one study showed, were angry posts. Those were shared, retweeted more often than others. Uh, and so it does create that problem. And so we, we looked at this idea of how do we respond now? We learn discernment. 
we have to learn how to think critically and deeply about the information that is entering into our minds. Just like we think, hopefully we think critically and deeply about the food that is entering our minds, right? The new year, we, we always have the joke about all the people who have the New Year's resolution to get in shape. I'm going to eat healthy and get in shape. And we start thinking about all the food we're going to eat and we're counting calories and all that kind of stuff. And we're exercising because we recognize the food that we intake is going to affect our health. But we don't often see the same thing is true about the ideas that we intake affecting our health. We care much more about the physical and a lot less about the spiritual. I talked to students in the retreat I was just telling you about. One thing that came up about the need for evangelism and the fact that Jesus is the only way is that we understand the truth that physical harm physically harms people. And if your friend was doing something that was physically harming, we would say something. We would stop them if they were cutting themselves or if they were being anorexic or they were doing something that was harming themselves and we truly love the person, we would stand up and we would do something to stop them because we recognize they're doing harm and that is not good. However, that same friend we deeply care about, if they don't believe in Jesus, if they, are, if they have ideas that are damaging to them, that are separating them from God, and it will ultimately result in their eternal separation from God. We don't say anything. We go, well, they can just believe what they want to believe. We, we often don't recognize the spiritual damage of ideas and beliefs. Or if we do recognize it, we don't take it as serious as the physical damages because it's not as obvious. It's not as, as quick. We, it's not as immediate. However, if we understand our Bibles, we have to know and trust and believe that the spiritual is much more important than the physical. The physical things are temporary. The spiritual, the unseen things are eternal. The ideas that people have that we go, well, they can just believe whatever they want. That is going to affect them for all of eternity. How much more serious is that than the physical things that we do say something about, that we do our best to stop? Right? We have to learn this idea of discernment, understanding what is important and understanding the ideas that come into our mind. Now, I finished in the last podcast talking about this goes for Christian ideas as well as non-Christian ideas. There's a devotional that I read that I disagreed with a few different times. I mentioned one example of how it talked about this idea of just throw reason out the window that God, you know, Jesus didn't want people to use logic. Jesus didn't do miracles to cause them to believe, even though that goes against what John talks about. He did many signs so that you would believe. We have to use our mind in Christian worship music and in Christian devotions and, and in preaching and teaching, understanding that someone is teaching correct theology. It's very important for us to learn discernment. So now getting into what I wanted to talk about is this idea of movies. One awesome way that we can redeem entertainment is to learn to see the worldviews behind the entertainment, to learn to think critically about what we are watching. And I think this is a great time where if you're a parent, you can sit down with your children, watch something, and be prepared to ask them questions. Debrief the movie with them. Think through it with them. What did you see? These sort of questions. If you're a student, here are some questions that you th should think through. So first of all, we have to ask, what worldview is the movie communicating? Is it presenting a biblical worldview? Is it a secular worldview? Is it a new spiritualist worldview? Is it more of this modern new age worldview? What worldview is being presented? 
you know, many movies kind of present this idea of scientism, but ultimately this idea of transhumanism that, that one day through the process of evolution, because we're still evolving, that we can keep evolving to the point where we become kind of superhuman. Right, maybe that we we get our our technology uh, so advanced that we can kind of download our human consciousness into technology and live forever. We see movies talking about right where robots become self aware. Right, this idea of technology advancing uh, to where self awareness can be in a robot that is not something that is unique to human beings and the soul that God created us with in His image. Right, we we see a lot of movies like this. Now, I wouldn't say that just because something teaches something non biblical that you reject it. I watch a lot of these movies. The point is, is afterwards to say, okay, students, okay, myself, what worldview was that teaching? What concepts was that presenting? Was this a biblical worldview or not? What was different? Uh, what did it say was different about the world than the Bible teaches? We can also ask the question, what does this movie want me to do? Why do they want me to do it? right? To what motives do they appeal? What is this trying to get me to do? What is this trying to get me to think? This is a very important question because movies often try to get people to think in a certain way. And Hollywood understands this concept. They know that their movies, that commercials are influencing the way that we think, especially when young people spend so much time on technology. These, these messages, these advertisements, these themes, these ideas are constantly filling our minds. And if we're not thinking critically about them, we just start to go with the ideas being presented. You know, I, when I, I talk to my students about this, I ask them simple questions. You know, when is the last movie or TV show that you watched that showed that drinking before you're 21 is fine? Or sorry, is wrong, that you should not get drunk. They can't think of any. When's the last movie or TV show you watched that showed that a same-sex relationship is inappropriate? There aren't any. And so when we, when we have these young people watching movies, watching shows, not thinking about these questions of what do they want me to do? Why do they want me to do it? How do they want me to think? Then they don't realize the way that these shows and, and TV and movies are influencing them. Right? When we watch movie after movie after movie with this presenting a certain idea and we're not thinking critically, we begin to start to agree with that idea. The more people watch programs which homosexuality is normalized, the more they are likely to think that homosexuality is a normal behavior. That's just the way things work. And so we have to be thinking critically about these ideas. Other questions that we can ask, who are the main characters? Who are the good guys? Who are the villains? Is it actually portraying a good guy as a good guy and a villain as a villain? Right? In some movies, they portray bad guys as good guys. Right? Think of like the Italian job or think of Ocean's Eleven. Right? The guys you're cheering for are the guys to steal money from the banks or from the casinos. Right? You're rooting for people to rob casinos. Is this something that we want to be cheering for? Now, again, I watch those movies, but it, I think it's just important to be aware of these ideas, to recognize that we are in disagreement with some of the ways that they portray people. Other questions, what values are promoted directly or indirectly? What is the good life according to this movie? What will make you happy? What, what is the purpose of life? Is it just to hook up with as many people as you can? Is it just to party it up? Is it to just, you know, whatever it may be, to get a good job and, and just make lots of money? That's the belief that many young people have today. The majority of young people believe, I think it's about 50% in the last study I saw, that the purpose of life 
It's just to get a good job and make lots of money. And that's, that's it. It's just to have fun. And you have fun by being financially set. Now, is there anything wrong with making money? No. But that's not the purpose of life from a Christian worldview. The purpose of life is to love God and to make him known, to know him and make him known, to glorify God. Are there any religious references in the movies? If so, how is religion portrayed? How does the message line up with scripture? Right? These are important things to think about as we watch movies. Now, it's interesting. On, on my flight back from Florida, when I went to Florida for Christmas, on my way back from Florida, I watched the movie Smallfoot. Now, I always want to call it Littlefoot, but it's Smallfoot, right? It's, so it's a movie. If you haven't heard of it, haven't seen it, uh, it's the idea of Bigfoot, but backwards, right? So there are yetis that live up in the mountains that obviously have big feet because they're, you know, they're the snowman, and uh, and they encounter humans, and humans have little feet. And so Smallfoot is this movie, uh, what we would have, but reverse. Now, what's interesting about this movie is it starts off with this idea that everything that needs to be known about the world is written in stone. And so there's a main guy called the Stone Keeper. And on his stones is every truth you need to know about the world, how the world began, uh, how it continues to exist, that it's floating on clouds uh, above like a pack of goats or something like that, uh, up on a mountaintop. And, and it, it, there's a stone for every truth. And so this idea of, look, it is written in stone. It is true. Don't question it. Right? And the whole opening song talks about how the stones are never wrong and you never question the stones. And, and if any question comes up in, whatsoever inside of you that causes you to start to think differently, that, that might cause you to think the stones are wrong, just suppress it, just push it down until it goes away. Right? That's the premise of this movie. Now, without any big spoiler alerts, you find out very quickly this idea is wrong. One person finds a small foot. He finds a human and all of a sudden he starts to say, the stones are wrong. At least this one stone is wrong that says that small foots don't exist because it's written in stone. Small foots don't exist. How is this stone wrong? If this stone is wrong, how many other stones are wrong? And, and so many ideas began to pop through my mind as I'm watching this of, of first the idea of don't question anything. And I hope that we understand that's false. We should question. If Christianity is true, we don't have to be afraid of the truth. We should follow the truth wherever it leads. Ask good questions. The second idea then that's presented is if one stone is wrong, oh my goodness, what does this do to the rest of the stones? Oftentimes, if we present Christianity to our students in this way, that everything is just true, don't question anything, and all of a sudden they realize, oh, there's a crack over here, then they start to say, well, what else did they not tell me? What else was my pastor or my parents unaware of? What else are they hiding from me? What else is wrong? If all of a sudden I think that maybe creation isn't true because science seems to point to evolution, now what does that knock down the reliability of the Bible? If so, does that get rid of the resurrection of Jesus? Right? And, and all of a sudden this idea happens where these doubts start to play into the mind of the person. And so we have to also be aware of this. We have to help students think critically about this. Ask good questions. Help them understand uh, how these things work. Expose them to some of the challenges against Christianity. So they are aware of these certain things. Now, the movie continues on, and you start to see how all of a sudden one more stone is wrong, and then how maybe something else is wrong, and all of a sudden it, it begins to prove the stone's wrong. And, and it's interesting to show just how the, the townspeople, all the yetis, just go along with the stones because they've been so brainwashed. And I won't spoil the rest of the movie. I thought it was very creative. It's a good kid's movie. 
uh, it's, it's animated, but I, I just thought very creative and very interesting in the way they present this idea of don't question anything. And all of a sudden, one young Yeti begins to question the stones, begins to see these stones might be wrong, and you find out all this other stuff that's going on in the background. But this is the idea. You can watch these good kids' movies with your kids and then begin to ask these simple questions. Hey, are you afraid to question Christianity like they're afraid to question the stones? Do you feel that you can't ask good questions? Just like they said, suppress the question until it goes away. Are there any questions that you're kind of suppressing? Are there any questions you would like to ask? Any challenges maybe you want to bring up against Christianity? I think these are great questions to ask little kids. If they say, no, I don't have any questions. Okay. Right? You don't have to put the question in their mind. Now, I remember from a previous uh, interview I did with, um, with uh, I think it was Melissa Kane Travis, talking about how she teaches her kids, right? Oftentimes, you don't have to put these ideas in your kid's mind if they're not thinking about it already. But you can simply ask them, what, what have you heard? What, have you, what do you think about this? What, what, what questions might you have? And if they have some, then you talk about that. It provides that great time as family. And on a side point, what this does is it gets us away from technology, at least in that sense. Around the dinner table, you can be discussing a movie that you watch. You can be thinking critically about the ideas that were presented in it. One thing that I saw over and over again while I was on Christmas break are families out to eat where the kids are just sitting on their devices. Just yesterday, I was eating at a burger place, and there's a mom, a grandma, a daughter, and a son. Son's about four years old, three years old, and he's sitting there eating his French fries while watching videos on the cell phone. Why does he need to be entertained at that moment? Can he not just eat without a video? We're often trained that, look, when it's dinner time, when it's certain times of the day, I just get my entertainment. It's used as babysitters. Let's help people start to think critically about the entertainment that we take in. Finally, when it comes to this technology, because we are so addicted, we need to take breaks. We, we need maybe a screen-free day of the week. Maybe it's once one day a month. Maybe it's one day a week where we take a day away. Now, I have to admit, I don't do that. That's one thing that I, I, I don't do. Maybe I should start doing it or at least part of the day. One thing that I do is the second thing is screen-free spaces. For me personally, I don't take my phone into the bedroom, right? That, that's I, my time to lay in bed, to relax. Uh, that is not my time to just be sitting on my phone. I don't want to be staring at my screen. The first thing I wake up, I don't want to see those notifications there. And I, and I tell you the truth, almost many mornings I wake up and it's like, oh, what's on my phone? Who tried to text me? Who tried to call me? Especially if I can hear it ding in the other room from my bedroom. Those thoughts, but I say, no, I, that can wait. Let me stay here a little bit. Let me wake up or let me go to bed. Uh, this is nice thing to do. Another way that you can do is screen-free times. For pers- me personally, my phone will turn off. It will go on nighttime mode at 10 p.m. and it wakes up again at 7 a.m. Only, I think, family calls can come through and emergency calls. Other than that, uh, the, during the night, I'm not getting those notifications. I'm not getting those things. My, my phone is turned off. Maybe that's what you need to do is screen-free times. Set the limit. iPhone has a new update, if you're not aware of. Uh, One of the newer updates presents screen time, where you can set limits on certain apps. Uh, If you're a parent, you can even password protect that. And so if your student hits the limit, then they actually cannot use the app. You can set limit for the entire phone. Uh, I've set those limits on my phone. I'm not the best at following them. Oftentimes, I ignore the limit. Uh, But at least it's awareness in my mind where it goes, okay, you've spent too much time on this app for today. Uh, 
those are things that we can do. Finally, um, I think that the inability to do these three things, if you are unable to have a screen-free space, maybe an area of the home where you don't take your phone, if you're unable to have a screen-free time at dinner, at lunch, at breakfast, uh, at night, something of that sort, if you're unable to take a screen-free day, then I think this inability shows the level of addiction. It shows that we rely on our screens way too much. And maybe we need to take a step back, evaluate that and see, wow, I do need to take a break. I do need to control my technology rather than my technology controlling me. And so a few questions to end this uh, podcast with in this kind of two-part series on entertainment. What role do you think the arts and entertainment amusement has had in your life? Has it shaped you for better or worse? Have you ever used uh, amusement and entertainment as a way to avoid pain or avoid people? And finally, how do you want to enjoy the arts and entertainment the rest of your life? Do you want to enjoy the beauty and the truth of arts and entertainment? Or do you want to simply be controlled kind of by it? Use it to ignore the people that are most important in your life. Hopefully those things can help you begin to think critically as you begin to evaluate the way that you use your arts and entertainments. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Send in those questions, those comments. I'd love to hear your feedback as we start a new year. Happy 2019. God bless. Have a wonderful rest of your week and uh, your weekend or wherever you are at. Sip coffee. Think deeply. This is Coffee House Questions. You're listening to Ryan and Polly. I just ask you leave. Won't hesitate to follow your love.